Hey parents, it's so good to be with you. My name is Nathan Sell. I'm the middle school pastor here at Journey. We're really excited to begin something brand new, something we've never done before, and it's simply just sermon discussions that center around the sermon series uh, that we're walking through on Wednesday nights at midweek. And our goal, really, as we have these discussions, as we talk through these different sermon series, is really just to give you an opportunity to take what we're teaching at midweek and transfer it into your home. Now, obviously, this is something that it works as well as you implement it. It works as well as you want to use it. Uh, Our goal is just to have this be an available resource that you can utilize if you want to. You won't hurt our feelings if you say, hey, this isn't isn't what we want to use this month or whatever. We just, again, want to make an available resource. Now, in my opinion, I think this would work really well as you listen to, hopefully, the sermons that we're putting out on YouTube or on our podcast but also as you're walking through the sermon discussion questions that we put out every Wednesday after midweek, just small group questions that you could have at the the dinner table with your student. I really think as you pair all three of these things together, this could be a really powerful resource and tool that could bring transformation into your home. At least that's my prayer, and that's the goal of these. So as we begin our first ever sermon discussion, Uh, I want to introduce to you uh, the two people sitting to my right and left. We have Nicole. She's one of our middle school residents. Uh, Just so proud of her and all that God is uh, using her to do in the lives of students. And then also Wade, our location pastor, who has been the student pastor here previously as well. Uh, Both of these people, uh, both Nicole and Wade, uh, spoke in this sermon series that we're about to, to discuss. And this sermon series, Red Flags. Uh, centered around all of the different relationships uh, that we find throughout our lives. Uh, when, when we think about relationships, uh, we think that you can really break them down into to four categories. Your relationship with yourself, your relationship with God, your relationships within your family, and then the relationship that you have with other people. Maybe that's a dating relationship. I know parents, you're probably like, please no, we're not, we're not ready for the dating relationships yet. So we, we just generally said relationships with others because your students have friends, they have peers, they have mentors, they, they just have relationships outside of your family, outside of themselves and outside of their relationship with God. Now we all know that middle schoolers, uh, sometimes they're not, the quickest to think before they act, right? And so the goal of this series was to kind of unpack each relationship area and identify, hey, here are the, the healthy signs that in this area you have a healthy relationship. And then as we discuss what the healthy signs are, hey, what are the, the red flags, if you will, the warning signs that the relationship you have in this area is unhealthy. And so that's why we called it red flags or red flags in relationships. We, we wanted to teach your students how to identify healthy and unhealthy relationships in each of these areas. Now for you as a parent, uh, we want to unpack this because ultimately you're the one at home with your student. You are the one that sees the relationships that they have probably every single day with their friends you certainly are the ones seeing the relationships existing within the family. Uh, you have, I would imagine, a really good pulse of where your student is at spiritually, but also a great understanding of where they are with themselves. And so we just want to take a few minutes here. If you'll just hang with us 
And we just want to unpack these, talk, talk through them, let you know what we discussed. But then we also want to talk about some questions uh, that maybe would be a little more applicable for you as a parent. Like, hey, how do I help my, my student overcome red flags in these areas? And so as we, we start out, uh, we're going to just unpack red flags with ourselves. That was the first week in our series I spoke uh, on this topic. And really, we, we identified just a couple of things. Uh, when we, we told your students, hey, when you're looking at the relationship that you have with yourself, there, there's three maybe key qualities or, or markers, hey, that you have a healthy relationship with yourself. And we said uh, self-respect, right? Having respect for yourself, uh, self-worth, right? Not having an inflated or deflated view of yourself. And then also having self-worth, realizing the value that God has given you. And naturally, kind of on the flip side of these things, we said uh, an unhealthy relationship with yourself was marked or characterized by excessive or poor self-worth. Pride is a huge indicator of this. Uh, We also said having no self-respect. I I told the students, right, we we heard a lot of just the, the phrase, I don't care. Right, I don't care what other people do to me. I don't, I don't care what other people think about me. Right? Just not having that respect or dignity. Right? We, we unpacked why it's important to have dignity. But then also, uh, we, I kind of made up this word, so don't go look this up in the dictionary, but self-unawareness. Right? If we have a healthy relationship with ourselves, we need to know where we're at. Uh, and so I just kind of use the example of, hey, like if I just came in the room and said I was a... Uh, NBA basketball player. Uh, <laughs> it'd probably be really unhealthy. It's just not true. It'd be probably really unhealthy, especially if I go play at the rec center thinking I'm good and then just get demolished. Uh, and so we, we have to have this healthy uh, understanding uh, and, and awareness of ourselves. And so I, I guess maybe let's just kick it off and just kind of unpack this of how do you how can you tell if you have self-respect? How can you tell if you're self-aware? How can you tell if, if you have self-worth? Right? Like, how can you, as a parent, how can you tell if your student has these things? Like, what, what would you look for? Um, and then maybe on the flip side of that, right? if, if I pick up, hey, my, my student is struggling with self-respect, self-worth, self-awareness, how, how can I help them kind of overcome that? I don't know if either one of you have just some initial thoughts on those things that maybe we could kick off with. Yeah, I can definitely speak at least to the girl side of this, where we talked a lot, a lot in our small groups. This really hit home for a lot of the girls, especially because they, they look in the mirror. Oh, it's so sad. They look in the mirror and they don't like what they mm. see. Oh, I'm not going to cry. That's not what this is about. But it's so real. And that is so sad. And so when they heard this message and the pride side of it that Nathan talked about was not the issue that they had. The thing that they were struggling with most is that they don't love what they see. 
And that is so hard to think that that's so real for these students, especially the girls, that they can look at it and think that. So when we were pouring into them and trying to encourage them and trying to edify them, we wanted them to know that you are loved. And Nathan talked really well about that at the beginning, talking about like, you are a child of God. You are loved. You are worthy. You are chosen. Yeah. Like God knows every hair on your head. Yeah. And so I think as parents, the biggest thing that we can look at with our students and our kids is continually pouring that level of edification and not making it seem like, I'm just your mom, so I'm going to tell yeah. you you're pretty because I believe it. Like, no, like really pour into them very specific words of edification and encouragement to them yeah. so that they can start believing this themselves. Because you can say it all day, but then they have to start believing it themselves. So let's sit here for a second. Because I think a lot of parents would probably sit there and think, well, hey, I, I tell my student every day, mm-hmm. multiple times a day, hey, I love you. Hey, I care about you. I want to know what's going on in your life. I, I value you. You have worth. So it's, it's not a lack. I mean, obviously there are some instances where maybe there are households where that doesn't exist, but for the sake of discussion, right, parents aren't the problem, right? What parents are telling their students, that's not the problem. What is the, so when, because it's not just girls, right? It's, it's middle school boys too are looking in the mirror going, I don't like what I see. So there's got to be a comparison factor there. What, what do you, Wade, what do you think is probably the leading uh, influencer here in students not having self-worth? I think a lot of it goes back to the fact of, like, what voice is the loudest? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, are, they are heavy. They have so many voices that are competing for their attention and their heart and their mind when it comes to social media, when it comes to peers, when it comes to culture, yeah. uh, that I think we almost have to help them uh, go back to the basics, which like what Nicole said, uh, the, the role of the parent is so vital. Like, yes, you may be saying this, these things over and over, but you have to realize that there is a competing narrative out there and you have to be the loudest voice. Mm. And that voice ultimately has to point them back to Jesus and who Jesus says that they are. Uh, because like, I think so often when we do have a good parent or a good role model that raises us, sometimes we begin to tune those out. And I think it's, especially in this, in this day and time, like we have to be the loudest voice. We have to remind them who they are. We have to remind them how God created them uh, because there are so many other voices out there that right now seem to be louder than anything else. And I think that the average, uh, I remember reading a study that looked at Gen Z uh, social media usage. And, And I believe the average, which... I mean, parents, you could just go look on your student's phone and look at their screen time and see how much time they're spending on their phone. And then I believe it breaks it down into apps as well. Uh, But I believe the average for a student in Gen Z was eight hours a day, six to eight hours a day, which, I mean, you think about that, it's like, okay, well, let's just say we break our days up into thirds out of a 24-hour day, you know, 16 hours, half of that that I'm awake, half of that is spent on my phone. Right. There's there's no surprise as to why social media is the loudest voice in the room. Yeah. TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, video, video games, video games. Right. Like all, all of these things influence these students. Right. And they're, they're not seeing the photo editing app that people are using before they post the picture. They're not looking at all of the rough takes that people had before. Yeah. 
the video. They're not looking at the hours of prep, especially for girls, the hours of makeup prep and doing the hair and all these crazy things, right? Like they don't see all the negative. All they're seeing is this polished, fake product that's getting pushed out, but that becomes their reality because that's their reality. That, that's literally where they're living is on social media. And so if social media is my world, absolutely, that's gonna be the leading influence in my life. And so when mom and dad come tell me, hey, I'm, you're loved, or hey, you're beautiful, really? I'm beautiful? Because what I'm comparing to myself to on this, right? Like it's not, I, I'm not really looking at a mirror, I'm looking at another person, yeah. right? I, it's, it's not so, it may not even be as much, hey, I don't like what I see in the mirror. It's, I don't like what I see when I compare myself to this person halfway around the world that I think looks way better than me. And I would say too, like this is a this is just as much a guy issue as it is yeah. a girl yeah. issue. Sports. Uh, yeah, I mean, in all in all arenas of life, we just have to help them take their eyes off of what they see and what's around them and help put them back on Jesus because He's the only one that can truly label them. Yeah. And that's where we got to land. I, I think they get so caught up in comparison with friends, success, right? Like we're a very success-driven culture. And what you do on the sports field, how you sing in the choir, how you perform on the stage, right? All those things determine my value. Uh, and I made a comment in this message that maybe, maybe sits a little weird until you unpack it. I think you and we were actually talking about this at church yesterday. Uh, that I've, you know, I've struggled with anxiety. I've struggled with self-worth and depression in my life. But I can honestly say that I've never struggled with those things when I've actively been in God's word, when I've been actively focused on who God says that I am. Now, caveat there is that doesn't mean that like when I struggled with self-worth or depression or all these things, right, which are signs that, hey, I've got poor self-worth, right? Like if if your student is depressed, they have poor self-worth, right? That's a warning sign of an unhealthy relationship with themselves. But if I'm actively reading God's word, there's, there's no way when I'm sitting in the presence of God that I, I can't begin to hear God say, hey, Nathan, I love you. You're chosen. Now, when, when I go about my day as a believer in Christ, when I go throughout my day and it gets noisy, that's when Satan tries to distract me from who God really says that I am. But if I'm, 100, like, if I'm 99% focused, that's 1% where Satan can sneak in and begin to give me doubt. But if I'm 100% focused, you know, and so that's where I think we got to point students back to God's word. And if we could just take half of the time they're spending on their phones, transfer it to scripture, it'd be so much better. Parents, do a Bible study with your students, right? Do daily devotions, just do something every day. Right, have scripture, and if you need scriptures for, let us know. Like we'll we'll give you scriptures for whatever your student is struggling with. We we can give you that and give the context. But right when when your student is struggling, tell them that you love them. But also, I would say like point them to scripture and say, this is what Jesus says about you. All of these I am statements. You're chosen. I, you know, I've chosen you. I love you. I've forgiven you. I, all these different things. So, uh, so the second week. Nicole, you talked on uh, the relationship that we have with God. Uh, Unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, so I think that's kind of one of the biggest things that off of week one, we're talking about this relationship we have with 
that's what we realize. It's just like Nathan said, that we have to have a grounded relationship with God. And what does that healthy relationship with God look like? What does that look like to when we can know that when we wake up, that I am a child of God and that all of the relationships we have here on earth are all gonna be affected by our relationship with God. And so I think that's kind of the biggest thing I wanted to kind of get across to the students is that God doesn't change. Our hearts change. Our hearts towards God is what changes. That's what changes our whole lives, our relationships with ourselves, our family, our friends. These are the things that are all gonna be affected by our relationship with God. So that's kind of where we need to be rooted and start. And so I looked at it a little bit and thinking, how can we see these healthy relationships? What does that look like? And you can ask yourself, like, am I in communication with God? Am I comfortable praying with God? And we dove a little bit into the Lord's Prayer and how that's a perfect almost mirror of how we can do it. Like, are you worshiping God in your prayers, but also are you just being honest with Him, lifting those prayers up with Him and being open with Him? And then the other side of it too, like, are you connecting with God through Scripture? Just like Nathan said, that's kind of the big thing that we keep pouring. I think the kids are sick of hearing it at this point, but they have to be in Scripture. Like, we can't do it for them. We want them to desire the Word of God themselves and to learn it and grow themselves. So having that prayer time with God, having that quiet time with God of learning how to do these devotions, and all of that adds up to being consistent. It's like, is it daily? Yeah. Are you starting your day? Are you, are you willing to make the step to stay up, to wake up an extra five minutes to start your day with prayer and scripture? It's, it's little steps that we don't want the students to be overwhelmed. We want them to feel like this is obtainable to start with prayer and scripture. And then thinking kind of those red flags of what it looks like with maybe an unhealthy relationship with God is mm-hmm. thinking like, does God feel silent? Well, if he's silent, are you praying with him? Are you communicating with him? Or are you expecting it to be a one-way street? Yeah. But also he's not gonna be silent if you're in scripture. Like he, this is a love letter from God. So like if, if we are in scripture, he won't be silent. But also if we're in scripture, he's not gonna be detached either. That's the other yeah. big red flag is that if he's detached, that's not on him, that's on us, not being in scripture with him. And knowing that we can stand firm that God is not a disloyal God. He loves us and he is loyal and he wants and yearns for this intimate relationship with us. And that's gonna affect all the other relationships kind of in our life as we grow. Yeah, I think that's really good. Uh, And I love talking about being in scripture and hearing God's voice. Again, I don't think I've ever read scripture and not felt like God was speaking something to me. Yes. Right, because it's literally God's word, right? Like it is his words on the page. So naturally he's going to speak to me. Uh, but if I'm reading and listening to God's word with an open heart, right, he's always going to challenge me in that. Uh, but also, you know, I would agree that having students begin to just, hey, wake up five minutes early, right? Just start there, right? Look, it's not practical to say, hey, middle schoolers, <laughs> wake up an hour early, spend an hour in quiet time. This is not gonna happen. But what this five minutes in middle school turns into as an adult, that's the investment. Because we all know, right, parents, you, some of you probably get this too, right? It's, if, if we don't have that habit of reading scripture daily instilled, and we don't have it down you know, to routine, by the time we become an adult, right, life is busy, you got work, you're, you, parents, y'all get it, like y'all are going from sports practice to dance 
recitals to, to theater plays and all these different things, right? You're, you're like, yeah, my schedule has no free time. You're barely sleeping, right? Because your kids just, their schedules consume your life. But imagine if these middle schoolers right now, five minutes, what that translates to as an adult or as a college student when, all right, parents, hard for you to think about this right now, but in a couple years, right, your, your kids are going to college. Right? Imagine how like this principle, this discipline, if it's instilled now, how that translates to when they're in college. I think you're going to see the consistent theme here through all these uh, messages is that you as a parent play a huge role in yep. this. Uh, God has given you the ability to be the primary spiritual provider of your family, and I think this is a neat opportunity to help them set up these disciplines, yeah. these routines, because all of it, all three of us would stand up here and say, like, this has changed our life, yeah. uh, and it is who we are. We know who we are because of what God says about us, and so as Nicole taught on this, when she walked through those, those red flags of healthy relationships and red flags of, you know, the inconsistencies yeah. there, it all comes back to this habit. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing for y'all to think through. We were talking recently, like within the last couple of days, about a study yeah. that looked at how often you read the Bible and what that does to your life. Unpack that for a minute. Uh, you, you've shared this with me, so I feel like you, you yeah. know it best to explain it. No, there's uh, an even... Um, <clears throat> Uh, it got brought up in our sermon uh, series from Sunday. Like uh, there's a study from uh, the Bible engagement um, that they said there's a power of four. Uh, mm-hmm. There was little to no blimp in the radar when someone read the Bible one or two or three times a week. But when they hit four, there were some things that were impacted in their life. Yep. I mean, from loneliness to depression to, you know, different struggles that an individual can have. And it's just powerful when we make this a priority, like we see the benefit of this. They, they even came away with the fact that they could share their faith more, uh, because of this study. And it was a wide study from eight to 80 years of age, 40,000 people. Uh, and it is, it is a very powerful study that like, when you look at it, there is a big change in a, in a person's life when they are engaging in God's word, over at least four times a week. Yeah, and so just parents, maybe you want to go look this up. It's called the Center for Bible Engagement. They're the ones that did the study, but also on YouTube, if you just want a good summary, two guys talking about it really yeah. clear, uh, it's called Bible Matters dash four times a week impact on YouTube. Uh, I would really encourage you just go give that a watch uh, because I think it underscores this whole discussion of why Man. it's so important to develop and have a healthy relationship with God, especially for our teenagers, right? You talk, you said the relationship we have with God influences the relationship we have with ourselves. This right here says the whole thing, right? Makes the whole case for, for that to be true and valid. So let's just talk about this for a second. So I, I feel like parents, they have a desire for their student to have a healthy relationship with God. They have a desire for their student to want to go to church, not to be drugged to church, right? Parents, you get exactly what I'm saying, right? We want you to have a relationship with Christ that you love and where you love going to church. And so uh, I'm sure there are parents who are like, yeah, my, my student, right? I'm just, it's like pulling teeth trying to get them to go to the church. It's like pulling teeth trying to get them to love God and have a healthy relationship. So how do, because on the flip side, right, none of us like to have the gospel shoved down our throat. That's right. 
right? We, we've all experienced that probably in one way, shape, or form. So how as a parent do you encourage your student, right? How, do you be that spiritual disciple or primary spiritual discipler in the family, encourage them to have this healthy relationship and go to church without just like hey, being yeah. overbearing yeah. and causing, because that's the tension, right? Is I, I, yes, I'm the parent. I could force them to go to church, but they're gonna hate it, yeah, right? So how do, where, where's the middle ground there? How, how do I find that sweet spot? That's a hard question, and it wasn't, it wasn't on the script. I think, <laughs> I think a big thing is modeling it yourself. Oh, man. Like, I remember growing up and, like, watching my mom do her Bible study and me thinking, like, oh, wait, I need to do that, too. It was almost like a visual reminder. Yeah. And the things that we kind of pour into the students, I, I encourage you parents also to do the same thing. Like, be in prayer, about it and like, and give it to God. Cause at the same time, like we can't force these students to have this big change of heart, but at the same time, like the Bible is active. Mm. Like it's, it's filled with God calling us to do it as a verb. And so we want our kids to have this desire to have that activeness in their life as well, to be with Christ in scripture. But I think it can start within the home, you guys modeling it yourselves mm. and thinking and being almost like overly verbal about how God has changed your life or like, this is what I've learned today and it's really exciting. Or this is what God talked to me in prayer today. It kind of like knowing those things so that they become more comfortable doing it and that it becomes kind of an yeah. active thing in their life so that it does become a part of their heart and their desires. Also, if they see like, wow, my mom is fired up for Jesus. Like, what is she doing and what can I do to be that fired up as well? Kind of thing. Or like, my dad is in prayer. Like, that's so cool. How can I do that too? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that was the first place that I was going to go for sure is to model it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, can, I have memories of like what you were talking about, Nicole, of like I, I have my dad's Bible. He passed away five mm -hmm. years ago this month and I can open up his Bible and there are notes in there. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, if our house burned down, like I, that's where I would go is to, you know, find, you know, those two Bibles that are on our desk uh, and take those with me. Uh, and I, on that same uh, ideas, invite them in. Yeah. Like, I mean, invite yes. them into what you're praying through, invite them in uh, to what you're, what you're struggling with. So often we want to protect and there are things that we should protect from our students, but at the same time, invite them into like, Hey, this is where we're struggling. This is where, what we're praying through Absolutely. is really powerful. Uh, but I would also then say, Hey, who outside of, outside of the family is there someone else that you respect that, that we yeah. could ask to mentor you, disciple you too? Uh, and so I see it from uh, two levels, just the invitation as a parent, but also to say, hey, who is it that you look up to yeah. uh, that, that you would like to learn from? Yeah. Uh, I think those two things are pivotal. Yeah. So parents, let's just make it super simple. Model it, invite them in. Yeah. And then find outside discipleship. Yeah. I'm gonna add one more, prioritize it. Yes. Because I think you can model it at home, but it not be a priority. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think those things go hand in hand. Uh, we, the three of us, have all seen students at midweek going nuts during worship, like having a blast, yeah. loving it. Where, right? Like, whenever I take a student out to lunch or dinner, I always say, hey, like, what is one thing that you love about midweek? And I would say at least 50% say worship. Now, parents, you're probably like, well, that doesn't make sense because if they come to church with me on Sunday, they seem like they hate it. Well, I get it, but also I would say that it's being modeled for them on, Sunday, or on Wednesdays, right? Like it, it, 
yes, we have the high energy songs where they're jumping up and down, but then we, we bring it down, yeah. right? And it's, it's hands lifted high, right? Like people, students, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, middle schoolers lifting their hands to Jesus in authentic worship. Why? Because it's being modeled for. Yeah. And so parents, right, don't be afraid to express yourself in worship. If your student is sitting with you on a Sunday morning and they saw you just begin to lift your hands and model that worship on a Sunday morning, they've seen it on Wednesdays. And I wouldn't be shocked if they began to do it with you. Man, some of my biggest takeaways that I've learned as an adult happened by watching my mom and dad worship on Sundays. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's one of those things where I just invite them to join you on Sunday mornings. I, I saw what it looked like to, as, as my dad worshiped. Uh, I can't sing, but I worship loud because I saw my dad give it everything that he had. I, I saw what it looked like to open scripture. I even saw what it looked like to tithe, even when sometimes we didn't have money. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, like it's those tangible moments of in home and what happens on a Sunday morning right. is so powerful. And to be honest, I've said this from stage uh, countless times, but if I could go back, uh, I would want to go back to... First Baptist, Moralton, Arkansas, where all of our family was in church together. And I could hear my dad sing. I could hear my dad pray. Yep. I could see my mom take notes in her Bible because those little moments, you don't think they're a big deal, uh, but they are a big deal. So prioritize Sundays as a family and then just continue that conversation after right. church, at home, at lunch, wherever you may go. But I mean, as I reflect back on losing my dad five years ago, I would give anything to hear him pray yeah. again. I'd give anything to hear him sing again. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, right, the power of that was not necessarily that they modeled it once, right? Yeah. But they prioritized it and modeled it consistently, yeah, right? These students, right, it, you have to go back to, to when we were middle schoolers, right? Middle schoolers are caught up in what is popular. Yeah. Church, Christianity, living for Jesus, not popular. And so I would just ask, like, hey, is it popular to worship? Is it popular to pray? Is it popular to study the Bible in your house? Yeah. Right? Is it popular in your house? Is it a priority in your house? Because, you know, I think we all have a story. I can remember my dad, right? I'd fall asleep on the couch watching TV, wake up 5.30 in the morning, there's my dad sitting in the chair reading his Bible and praying. Yeah. And then I'd get up and go to bed for 30 more minutes. But that's what, like, I remembered that yeah. because it was a consistent priority that he modeled. And parents, I think if we could get there, just model it, they'll catch on. Yeah. They'll begin to ask the questions, mom, dad, why do you do this? Yeah, and we're here for you. Yeah. Like, right. I mean, if there's anything right. we can do to help you make that a priority in your family, we will be happy to grab coffee, lunch, or dinner. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, like what you do as a parent yeah. uh, is more important than anything that we do. Yeah. So Wade, last week, the third week of the, the, the message series, you, you hit on... Probably what maybe a lot of parents are like, yes, please talk about this because yeah. my, my kid is a terror at home, <laughs> right? You, you talked about red flags yeah. within our families. Yeah, so it, it was a fun opportunity to come back and speak to our middle school students. And uh, we looked at these three things, healthy signs of a family. They're active, they're supportive, they're respectful. The red flags in this series was laziness, hate, and selfishness, and then disrespect, yeah. Um, and the biggest takeaway that I tried to encourage uh, our students with last week was this idea 
of just they have a role to play in the family, uh, and they can be active participants in the family, uh, and they can do this by simply participating, asking mom and dad, hey, how can I help without being told what to do? And then just honoring your parents. They're doing the very best that they yeah. can, uh, but just give your parents a little bit of a break and then just respecting them. But, you know, growing, for, growing up in the South, it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, sir. <laughs> or you're you know, going to pick your own switch. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it was just an idea of just helping them see like, hey, this is the role that uh, God has given your mom and your dad or whoever it is that is raising them. That's right. uh, and then we have an active role to play in that. We can love our siblings. We can respect them. Uh, and we can also just honor our parents. And that honor doesn't go away, you know, as we get older. I still right. have to respect my mom. Right. Even though she's in Arkansas and I'm here, I'm married, uh, my sure. mom would still set me straight if I disrespected her. Uh, but at the same time, we just hope that they walked away with the understanding that, hey, I, I am honoring my parents as a way to be obedient to the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and when we can get there, there's a lot of great things that can happen in that yeah. relationship. So I feel like the tension here really lies between as a parent, right? I'm the authority figure, but I also want a, a good, Man. let's be honest, a, a fun yeah. relationship with my, my, my kid, yeah. right? Like I don't want to live at home on eggshells. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be constantly fighting. So, you know, I, I feel like it's almost like a pendulum, right? Yeah. Parents go to the authority side and the student just gets super like angry. They're unhappy at home all the time. And so then I feel like the tendency is to swing back over here to the, oh, well, let's just be fun and friends. I feel like culturally this is where a lot of people live now is, well, it's it's probably really hard to be authoritative and I just, you know, if I'm fun and just give in to to you all the time, then maybe it'll just make things easier at home. God calls us to live in the middle. Yeah. Right? So, So how do we, how do parents find that middle ground of, hey, I'm the authority, right? Like my kid doesn't get to tell me what to do, right? I'm paying the rent or the mortgage or I'm the one buying the groceries, right? I'm the authority, but I also want a healthy relationship with my kid. How do we find that? You're experiencing this, right, with toddlers. You're in that stage, the no stage, right? So how are you, I mean, what have you found helpful here? Um, I can honestly say the biggest thing that I've seen with my two kids is being able to apologize and own up to my mistakes. And I know, I mean, my kids are three and one, so they're not quite at the middle school stage yet, and I'm already scared for it. But also, I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned to model now is that it's okay to say, like, I'm really sorry. I may have handled that situation wrong. Mm. Let's talk through it together or like I'm really sorry I didn't understand you let's talk through this to understand like how can we reach a better point before we reach the escalation that it hit because we don't want it to hit that Mm. red zone like that's not where we want to live but also like you're saying like there is a time when you're like you need to be safe or my no means no and I understand why and it's not the time for me to explain to you why but also that's when that open communication we've been talking about this whole time is that's when that steps in, is modeling for your kids what it looks like 
to have patience in a moment where patience is not easy right. or, to, or to be apologetic in a moment yeah. where you're like, I, I made a mistake, but Jesus loves me. I still love you. We can get through this together and like, let's work through it. You know what? You can model that problem solving that they are going to have to deal with each and every day yeah. so from the beginning. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of when modeled a prayer. There's moments when I am in the heat of a moment and I'm about to make a big decision and I stop and pray out yeah. loud in front of my kids and I can feel the tension drop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can, you can feel the tension like, okay, we are, we are de-escalating this situation. Yeah, that's sure. great. So it's like, that's kind of a way that you can step in, but also that's, it's a habit you have to build. Yeah. It's also, not perfect. I would, going off of that, I would say, don't strive for perfection. Yes. Strive for consistency and faithfulness. Absolutely. Um, when I look back and there's things that, I mean, I wish I would have had the ability to talk through with my, I can talk through with my mom, but my dad's gone. Um, it's just when I reflect back just the consistency, there were non-negotiables in my yeah. house. Absolutely. Uh, sure. And we, dad was the biggest who. He loved to have fun. Same sure. way with mom. Yeah. Uh, but there were non-negotiables. And I think when I look back on how my siblings were raised, uh, there was just a consistency of non-negotiables. Like it could be like, Hey, I wasn't going to play soccer on a Sunday unless it came after church. Yep. Uh, and there were, we're always going to be in church. There were some non-negotiables that I just, when I look back, like I could buck the system. I could push, I could fight. And I just see my dad pulling up the newspaper and staying there. Yep. Like yeah. it, it wasn't, it wasn't going away. But at the same time, like Nicole said, that communication, saying we're sorry, uh, and then just inviting them in is very, very powerful. Well, because for whatever reason, right, when they hit middle school, they they literally think that they... Know it all. Know it all. They think they can (laughs) conquer the world. They just... They're know-it-alls, right? Yeah. And ultimately, what they're wanting is a little bit of independence, a little bit of freedom. Yeah that they want to feel valued, right? Well, we all want that. We all want yeah. to feel like we're heard, known, valued. And, and so I do think, right, it's, hey, like at the end of the day, parents, you're the authority figure, you're the final say, but hey, like allow them to voice their opinion and, and sit there and genuinely listen, yeah. right? And, you know, like I'm not saying find a compromise. I'm just saying like just allow them to hear, you know, let their voice be heard and, uh talk it out with them a little bit. Yeah, parents too. I want to encourage you also to share the burden of each side of that pendulum Nathan was talking about. Because that's what's big in our family and that we're still battling and I, I have a lot to learn. But I think, especially for our marriage too, we want to model what the Christ is married to the church. We yeah. want to model that for our kids. But also, it, it's very easy for my husband to be the fun parent and I end up always being the hammer. Yeah. And, and I don't want that to be the way that my kids look at us because that's not how it works. Like yeah. God is both sides. God loves them, mm. but also he's, you know, he's both sides of it. So it's yeah. as parents, you guys, both dad, mom, whoever is in the family life, whoever is pouring into your kids have both sides of that to where you are loving, you are encouraging, you're doing that fun, you are that excitement, but also you, there are the hard, fast rules like Wade's talking about, like there are non-negotiables yeah. and everyone needs to stick to that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a big thing for marriage, but also for the family to kind of pour into that and f- model that for your kids yeah. as well. Yeah. So as we, as we wrapped up this series, uh, Ashen Huppert, our uh, Highlands Ranch kids coordinator, uh, she 
talked through red flags that we have uh, with others. And largely as we unpacked the relationships that we have outside of ourselves, God and our family, uh, we said that a healthy relationship, I want to make, this, make sure I get this right, healthy relationships with others are built on Christ, grow towards Christ, and serve one another. And if our relationships aren't doing those things, then largely they're unhealthy. I think where probably a lot of parents, you, you can't choose your, your, your students' friends for them. You can't make them do these things, but you can get a pulse on what type of relationships your students have, and you can intervene and say, yeah, no, you're not hanging out with this person, whatever. But I've probably, if, if I had to imagine, the hardest thing for a parent is how do I know that the influence outside of the house, mm. right? Because you can have your relationship with yourself, God, and family inside the house. Relationships outside of the house, how do I know that they're healthy? How do I know that they're fruitful for my student to have, right? So as a parent, like, I mean, where do we even begin to start with those things? I, I think um, just looking back, obviously, Bray and I, uh, don't have kids, but over the years of being a, in student ministry and just living life as well, I think the easiest way to start is just getting to know th- your friends' friends mm. and their families. Yep. Uh, figure out what they're passionate about. Figure out what's navigating and directing their life will give you a very good indication of, of where, what's at the center of them yeah. and where they're going to take your, your son or daughter. Yeah. Uh, and I think that takes time. It takes effort. Uh, but show me your three, five closest friends and I'll show you your future. That whole quote is it's true. so true. Yeah. It's and, cliche, uh, but it's true. Very, very cliche, but true. And I think that's where we can begin is just like spend time with them, invest in that relationship. Uh, and then once you figure out like, hey, these are good people. Oh, cool. I, I will yeah. totally sure. trust them sure. uh, to help raise and partner with me as I want my kids to love and grow to uh, walk with Jesus. Well, and I think it goes back to what we were just talking about with the family, right? What are the non-negotiables? Yeah. What are the priorities? Because as we're instilling those into our kids, that's what's going to help them choose good friends, right? Is do I, what, do I know what my godly priorities are? Do I know what the non-negotiables are? And then parents, like if, if as you're getting to know these other families, if they don't align there, why compromise? Yeah. There are, I mean, especially in this community, there are plenty of people in this community, right? Like, don't sacrifice the non-negotiables. Yeah. Keep solid what is inside of your house. And then go outside. But don't allow outside influences to dictate what happens inside your home. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times it's really easy to let that happen. Yeah. Staying firm on, on the inside and allow inside to affect the outside. So good. Um, and I think, again, as we model, as we prioritize, as we do all these different things, right, yeah. that ultimately is going to influence who Their my friends. student is friends with. Yeah. So. And they see it, too. Like, they see parents where you get your friends from. And we can, obviously, we talk about all the time, like, we can be friends with non-Christians. That is great. Like, we are called to pour into the community. That is amazing. But also, when times are hard, when you're modeling that for your students, like, who are you turning to? Yeah. Are you turning to those Christ-like centered friends that you have from your small group or from church or your Bible study or wherever you're getting it from? Like, are you turning to those friends of yours or are you keeping it inside? Are you hi- all these different things? It's kind of 
kind of like they see it in the way that you model yeah. everything. That's how they're going to see it too with your friendships and the foundations that you get from there as well. Yeah. Because those friends could be some of the same people you push your kids to to go process their faith. Absolutely, yep. I yes. Mean, that could be in a, a built-in community to say, hey, you may not be able to talk to uh, mom and dad about this, but will you go talk to, you know, and you list, and they probably could tell who Five, your closest people, yeah. friends are, yeah. you know, and I think that's really powerful when you yeah. begin to say, hey, like, man, like, you may not be able to want to talk about it to me, but hey, go talk to 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 Kyle, to Julie, to Bree, and Zach, yeah. you know, just all your friends, I think is very powerful. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of just as a side note, right, like, on a church on Sundays, right? We've been in this series called The Way, right? Yeah. Following the habits of Jesus, right? And, and maybe, maybe you've been sitting here on a Sunday going, "Why is this important? This is why it's important, yeah. right? Because the relate, like you're, if you're modeling 100%. these things that we're talking about on Sundays, yeah. right? Habits that Jesus had: worship, scripture, uh, giving, yeah. right? Uh, community, small groups. Right, if we're actively practicing these things, it's going to flow over into our 100%. students, and it's going to affect all of these relationships that they have. Parents, I genuinely do hope that this has been resourceful and helpful for you. We'd love to hear your feedback, but we also really just want you to know that we're here for you. We love you. We care about you. We care about your family, right? Yes, we are the middle school ministry of Journey Church, but bigger than that, we care about your family. And so we just want to be here to help you and your family walk through life. We want to help you and your family take your next step with Jesus and just do our part, do what we can to help you along the way. So why don't I pray for you and then we'll wrap up our time together. God, I just thank you uh, for this time that we can spend together. God, just talking about the different relationships that our students are exposed to and that they interact with each and every day. God, as, as these parents uh, navigate each day with their student, God, I pray that you'd give them wisdom, that you'd give them insight into how their students are doing, insight into the relationships that their students have. God, the way that outside influence may be affecting them, God, give them wisdom and insight on what to keep their students away from, who they should allow their students to be influenced by. God, I just pray that you'd give them the strength to... to walk through each day. God, I know this can be an uphill battle sometimes, but God, I pray that uh, you would give them the strength and the courage to keep fighting and know that it's not in vain. Know that the, the habits and priorities that they're instilling in their students' life each and every day, God, it's worth it. It's worth the consistency. Sometimes it's worth the argument and the fight. Sometimes it's worth it just to make sure that the priorities and non-negotiables are instilled. God, because ultimately, even though it may be hard right now, God, I know that the blessings and the investment, will that'll all come later in life as these students mature and grow up. So God, I pray that these parents would see it as just that, a, an investment working towards a blessing. God, because I know the investment, the time, and the effort that they put into their student's life right now, it's gonna bless their student 10 years from now. I just know it. And so God, again, just thank you for these parents. Pray that you would walk with them and walk with their family each and every day. Your name we pray. Amen.